Welcome to Encounter God's Truth from Whitcomb Ministries. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, and today we continue learning from the life story of Mrs. Norma Whitcomb, the wife of our Bible teacher, Dr. John Whitcomb, for nearly 50 years. We're finishing a classic series called Basic Biblical Distinctions, which Dr. Whitcomb presented in a conference a number of years ago at Grace Bible Church in Elkhart, Indiana. As an added bonus, Mrs. Whitcomb spoke to the ladies at that conference regarding the topic of stillness before the Lord. We're listening to the second of three parts of that message this week here on Encounter God's Truth, and this time we'll hear Mrs. Whitcomb explain the need to be still. As you may know, Mrs. Whitcomb went to be with her Lord and Savior this past year on Sunday, December 12th. That makes it all the more important that we learn all that we can from her testimony of trusting the Lord, especially in challenging times. So right now, let's consider the need to be still. Mrs. Whitcomb begins by rehearsing a very difficult story, the death of her first husband, Robert Pritchett. We finished last time with the startling announcement she received, and we open now with just a brief review as she describes their transition of coming back from the mission field in the Philippines shortly before his death. We had committed our lives to serve the Lord, and as hard as that was, we would not come home because God had called us, and when God calls you, dear friends, young people out there, when God calls you, directs you, he will take care of the situations and the problems that come along, no matter how difficult they are. And there is not a harder thing than to not see a a five-and-a-half-year-old son for three months. Can't make a birthday cake for them. Can't do any of those things. Can't hear those cute little things they say, the way they express. None, None of that. But God is sufficient for the hardest, darkest stroke he will put on your lives. And he's doing it. We call them dark strokes. I used to call them only dark strokes. But now I call them love strokes. Because God in his love is teaching us. He tells us that in his word. For whom God loves, he what? Chastens. He disciplines. Now discipline doesn't mean taking and whacking a child around. Discipline means just gently leading that child along whatever it takes for that child. To teach that child to grow up. We've talked about beauty. Now we're talking about growing up. Growing up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever he brings into your life, if you know him as your Savior, he is teaching you that you might grow in a closer relationship to him for whatever might come next. We never know. And he wants us to be his child. He wants us to be ready to exude Jesus Christ in any situation. Now, that's not easy. I'm on no pedestal. I'm not doing it every day. He's working his work in our lives if we will open our lives and our hearts and our minds and our wills and our decisions to him. So then it came time for our first furlough from the Philippines. We'd been there for five years, and we wanted to get further education My husband was going to work on his doctorate, and I was going to work on my master's, and then preparation to go back to the love of our life as far as our career was concerned. And so we settled down in Winona Lake, Indiana, and my husband entered Grace Seminary, and everything was 
beautiful. We had our two sons with us. Everything was beautiful. He was a jogger, and he walked into the kitchen ready to go out the door, and he said, you want to go with me? And I said, no, I don't think I will tonight. It was March, and it was cold. You know anything about cold marches? And uh, so I stayed home with the two sons who were already asleep because it was 11 o'clock at night. After he's done his studying, usually he didn't even go to bed until after midnight, even as late as two, because he was a diligent student of the word. And uh, he went out the door, and I flopped on the bed and fell asleep immediately. That's unusual. And uh, then at two o'clock in the morning, there was a knock on my door. And four people, I looked out. Of course, here I am with curlers all in my hair, and, and I looked out, and I saw four people outside this glass that I could look through. And I invited them in, and uh, they said, uh, Norma, evidently your husband went out to uh, jog last night, yes. I was stunned. I was asleep. And they said, well, we found his body on the street. He evidently had a heart attack. Friends, what kind of strokes were those at that moment in my life? My whole life had changed there just like that. We were studying. We went. We wanted to go back to the mission field. We loved it. It was the love of our life. And here I'm standing there realizing that all of a sudden I'm a widow. Every plan for the rest of our lives was changing. And he was only 43 years old. We had a life ahead of us to serve the Lord. He was a healthy man. And we stood there, and you know what, dear friends, I, I can't explain this, but peace covered my heart and my soul. And the first words that came out, and not my words, it was God's words of assurance to me, but they, I opened my mouth and that's what came out. I said, God doesn't make a mistake. Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28, got it? God does not make a mistake. He does all things well. Those were the two statements. That was his assurance to my heart, and I just blurted them out. That's how close our God and our Father can be if we're living in a daily relationship with him. That's the secret, friends. You know, um, I'm a person who takes different kinds of supplements, and it's so easy to have all those supplements uh, in the bottles in front of me. But if I don't open those bottles and take them, they're not doing me any good. And I have to tell myself that over and again. It's the same with the word of God. We have it there to, to sustain us, to support us, to give us strength for our daily, daily experiences. But if we don't open the word, we don't apply it to our hearts, we don't assimilate it as we assimilate those, ta those supplements we're taking, what do they do for us? Nothing. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? They don't do a bit of good for us as long as they're in the bottle. The word of God, the word of God doesn't do a thing for us as long as we keep the pages closed. Do you realize that? Where, where are we in our life today? With a closed book, carrying it around just to look good, to come to church? 
Do we even bring it to church? What are we doing with the word of God? How are we going to be ready for what comes? And that's so important. So important. Get in it. I don't mean just... I I also talk to women about studying Bible, how to get into the word. You know what? Don't just open it and read it. Reading the Bible is one thing. Studying the Bible is another thing, dear friends. Get that. And I like this Bible because it has... Now, I know there are some people who say you just read... uh, you, You get everything for yourself. You know, you read, you allow the Spirit of God to speak, and I agree with all of that, but I've got to have help. I have to have help to understand it. And I'm thankful I have a husband I can go to and ask. But never, everybody can't. But I've got one that has oodles and oodles of helps. And I'm, I'm far along enough in my spiritual life. I better be. I'm getting up there. I better have something that I don't always agree And so I'll go to my husband and I'll say, is this note exactly right? I don't take these as the word of God. I take these as helps. These men have studied for years and years. Why don't we use the helps? So when you're reading your word, I'm way off my notes. So when you're reading the word of God, you just don't sit there and go through pages. What does it say to you? What is it doing for you right at that moment while you're reading? Whenever you can, if you come across a, a, a line, like in the psalm, wherever you are in the New Testament, put your name wherever you can. Put your name right in that, in that verse and read it so it's your verse, God's word to you right at that moment. And then use the cross-references. Use the notes. Get a good commentary, not a, not a deep one. If you, it depends on your position and whatever. But get a good commentary and have it there. Have a concordance if your Bible doesn't give you enough references to cross. You might only get through one verse in a day in your time with the Lord. But if you're studying it, it's better than reading it ten chapters and not having anything to carry you through for that day. You getting it? It is so important. That's why when those dark strokes come, then we can be fortified, not because we're any <laughs> anybody special. I'm not. And none of us really are. But it's because the word of God comes in, bathes us, fills us, supplies us, cares, shows, tells us that he cares for he, us, so, showers us with verses that we've read and we've memorized and, and, and all of that. And he's there. And then, Norma, I make no mistakes, right in the middle of standing in the middle of that floor, just being told that my husband is with the Lord. That's the way life is supposed to be, friends. I wish I could be that way every minute, but I'm not. I'm not. Are you? We'd like to be, but we're, we're human. We have emotions. They have sin. We have sin. It gets in the way. And so sometimes, you know, it's the little things that I have the hardest things, the hardest time with. Those little things that come in and they throw me for a loop. <laughs> I like this dear friend. She's agreeing with me. <laughs> and I can tell by the expression on some others too that you are.
So, uh, so anyway, God is our God. And you know, terrible things are happening to God's children all the time. They always will. We've talked about that. We've said why, but the, if we ever stop to realize the hardest, the, the, the most dark things, and yet they didn't, God didn't take that, but Jesus didn't take it, happened to Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. And when, now we're coming up to the Easter season. Have you read any of the portions of what Jesus Christ went through when he died on the cross for you? Have you spent any time just getting into the word and reading that portion? Terrible things happened to Jesus Christ because he was obedient to the Father and because he loved us. And he's there for us at the most needy times as well as the good times. There are good times. There are lots of joys in being a, a, a child of the Lord Jesus Christ, a daughter of the Father. And then, you know, in the face of these trials, trials though, sometimes, what are the first words that come out of our mouth? Why? Why are you doing this to me, God? Why do I deserve this? What have I done? And on and on uh, we go with lots of questions. Now, we can say, and I do find myself saying sometimes, Lord, what is this for? How can I grow from this? How do you want me to use this in my life? But if we use why as though we don't trust him, that he's not our heavenly father who loves us and does for us, then that why is is a stench. It, it is not pleasing to God. And that night as I stood at the side of the casket of my husband, people came up to me. Other young seminary men, especially as they went by, realizing it could have been they who had, had, had happened to, they said, Norma, we might not understand it now, but when we get to heaven, God will tell us why. Dear friends, I do not agree with that statement. He's God. He owes us no answers. He's on the throne. He's directing that into our lives, which will make us grow to be better women of the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not owe us an answer. He's God. You know, it's so interesting. Those little, what is it, two-year-olds? I'm so far away from those age brackets anymore. But they run around with their thumb in their mouth and, and their little blanket, their security blanket, and they'll say, why, why? Isn't that about the age? Why this, why the everything? And you'll say, you just like to say, don't bother to ask me why. You know, that's the way you answer teenagers. I had six, uh, six of them all at one time in my lifespan. And you don't. Are we a little toddler, two-year-old toddler running around, why God, why God? A teenager 
who'd look me in the face when I'd ask them to do or told them to do something, and they'd say, why, Mom? And I'd say, what did I say? Don't ask me why, what? Just what? Do it. Are we going, how are, how are, how do we act before God, our Father? A little toddler, a teenager, or a grown-up, mature child of his who says, God, you don't make a mistake in my life. Just teach me what you want me to know to take me on to the next step. You know what? Every one of us in this room this morning is an artist. You say, I can't draw a straight line. We are escape artists. Did you get me? We're escape artists. What do I mean by that? When trial comes, we want to escape. We want to get out of it. And so we'll use any means that comes to our mind to to um, um, evade what God is bringing into our life. Oh, it, it depends on the age, depends on your likes, your desires, travel, drugs, uh, alcohol, career, um, uh, sports, uh, music, uh, hobbies, TV, Facebook. Anything just to forget where we are. Right? Yes. Anything. Anything to escape where we ought to be in, in, in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want out of unpleasant circumstances. But God doesn't want us out right away always. He wants us in the middle of what we would call the middle of a muddle in order to learn from him. And so, you know, the psalmist got into that situation one time. He said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I'd what? (laughs) Fly away. But Isaiah had a different response. They that wait upon the Lord... They that wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. They'll walk. They won't get weary. They won't faint. They will press on with the Lord Jesus Christ. Wait upon the Lord. So we have two responses. Either, Lord, get me out of this, or, Lord, teach me through this. Well, I'm leaving out a lot of notes because you can get the tape if you want. The uh, I, There is a CD of this. But I wanted to go way over now to a new experience that I just recently had that um, helps to put some new focus on uh, situations. I was preparing um, a message about a month ago a little over a month. I started several months before. And it was I was asked to speak on cultivating contentment in Christ. 
Well, that was interesting. Where would I start? So I looked in my study, and I saw two plaques that I have, one here and one over here. I can't miss them. I need two of the same thing because I need this help so much in my life. One, the plaque here says, be still and know what? That, let's say it together. Be still and know that I am God. Let's say that one more time. Be still and know that I am God. That's in Psalms 46.10. Yes, 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. And I use that in building my talk on contentment. Contentment in Christ. Be still. I need those words. Be still, Norma. I'm not a person who likes to be still. And so God gave me that verse. Now, I don't know what his verse is going to be for you. It will probably not be not, not be that one. But he has special verses for every one of us in certain circumstances, and he brings them out. We bustle around. We try to fix things. That's the way I am. I clamor to get things done. I uh, uh, clamor to get out of the outs that I don't like, and I... Uh, forget sometimes that his way is perfect and I just need to be still and know that he's God. Let him work out those little details. In our ministry, there are several times when I just have to stop and be still and know that he's God. And wherever you are in your life, can you be still right now? And know that he's God. Well, it's easy right this morning because we're sitting here in church and we're all together and we're thinking, but what about the circumstances of your life when you walk out this door last night as you were trying to sleep or what? Be still, dear daughter, and know that I am on your, I am your God. I'm on the throne. I've cared for many, many things in the past and I will do it again now. Young ladies, if you can learn this early in life, it will be so much easier to be able to take the next thing that he brings along and fasten, fasten your, your experiences and fasten your faith on the fact that God is God and he makes no mistakes. We need to be still because it's during that stillness that we can learn some of the most beautiful lessons that God has for us. He teaches us in stillness. He can't teach us when we're all frustrated and all out of sorts and and feel that everything is going wrong and flustering ourselves around. He can't teach us at those times. We're not open to hear his word. He wants us to come to the place of stillness so that he can bathe us with his word and with his assurances that he is on the throne. There's the the other verse, wait. We just talked about that. Just We gave that wait. 
on the Lord. Listen to what he has to say. Listen carefully. Don't move on until you know what he's saying to you. Wait. To me, wait also means when I tell you what to do, you do it. So it's wait, it's be still, wait, do. There are lots more, uh, more we could fill in here. Be still, wait, do. Do what I tell you to do. We'll come back and conclude this series soon as we share just one more engaging session in which Mrs. Norma Whitcomb talked about serving the Lord and growing in His Word. Those are lessons that she learned through a lifetime of trials as well as blessings in her Christian experience. Through all of them, she and her husband demonstrated by their lives and testimonies that God's Word is true from the beginning to the end. Remember that you can read a number of articles that Mrs. Whitcomb left us when you visit windowforwomen.blogspot.com. For our latest news, visit facebook.com slash Ministries. And for more Bible teaching, you can always join us at sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. You'll find these pages easily from our newly designed website at whitcombministries.org. Next week, we'll continue a new tradition here on Encounter God's Truth, welcoming Dr. Woodrow Kroll to our broadcast for special Easter messages. He'll begin with the subject, The First Day of a New Era. We hope that you'll join us then to celebrate our Lord's glorious resurrection. Now for everyone at Whitcomb Ministries, I'm Wayne Shepherd, praying for the Lord's blessing upon you during this Passion Week.